Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 24th of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And we are getting into almost the second month of NHL action and we're starting to learn a lot more about each of the individual teams as as we get going. Sample sizes are still relatively small, but we're we're starting to see maybe maybe a few trends with with what's going on and uh stuff that we can start to track and see if it's the the real thing so far or if it's just kind of a fluky early season kind of thing. Um, but there have been some events that pretty significant and the first on our list, at least for this week is one of the, um, classically speaking for the last few years, one of the Eastern conference powerhouses, Boston Bruins, they may not be a powerhouse anymore, at least in the short term. Um, Zdeno Chara, knee injury, PCL, four to six weeks. Not good, right? No. It's um, it sucks for, for Boston. I suppose when you look at it, you know they had to get rid of Boychuk due to cap constraints. You then go and lose your, your best defender as well on top of that, and all of a sudden a team that's quite solid defensively looks very thin on the back end, and it's the it's the beauty of the salary cap era, I suppose. It forces parity by having to jettison guys. But as soon as you get an injury to a key player and there's no one more important on that team, maybe Tuka Rask, um, than, than Chara, he goes down for any length of time and Boston are going to have to be well coached and they're going to have to play very well to fill that hole. Because I think for, if, that's a, if it's a PCL and they do decide to go and operate on that knee, with Chara being his size, and I know he's a conditioning freak, and I know he's in great nick, all those sorts of things, but you don't want him coming back <clears throat> around Christmas um, at 90%. You'll want to make sure that he's 100%. So you take the extra couple of weeks, get him to come back in the second week of second week of Jan and, and go from there. That would be probably an eight-week turnaround. But they are going to have to make their mind up on that surgery decision within the next four or five days. They'll have to, hopefully there's not much swelling so they can make the call on it um, and then go from there. But if it's a PCL, he should be able to recover from it reasonably well. The hard thing for, for hockey players is that um, with the way um, you don't see as many ACL injuries in hockey players as you do other sports um, because of the movements that are done, which sounds really weird because you'd think that your, your skates would get stuck in the ice, you'd pick and twist, um, like you see on a football field, and you see players pitch and pitchfork and twist, and that's where the ACL goes. But for some unknown reason, that doesn't seem to happen um, in the ice as much with, with the hockey players. So their recovery rate is something like 90, 92% or something like that from, from coming back from ACLs. PCLs are a lot easier. Um, so he should be able to come back and be fantastic for them. He just needs to make sure they take the time to, to recover. So they start to get desperate come, you know, mid-December, um, and he comes back on the ice before Christmas. I reckon they've rushed him. That's a lot of mass. That's a lot of mass. To, to put on uh, Correct. that knee. So, you know, you got a 150-pound guy that 
comes back from that injury maybe a little sooner. There, there's not as much torque on it, but he's he's a he's a big man, and you may have to take a little bit longer because of that. Yeah, and not only that, it's just he's a little bit older than than he you'd probably like to be with a knee injury like that. And the older you get, the harder it is to recover, no matter how fit and healthy you are. So it's it's one of those things where they just have to be smart and sensible. That's all. As far as where it leaves the team, though, losing Boychuk was hard yeah. enough, even with Char healthy. That that was really that really stung them good. Um, yeah, I thought Chirelli should have gotten a little bit more creative with his moves because I'm looking at a guy like Chris Kelly that makes three million, and I don't know. I think I would have been a little bit more aggressive moving a guy like that than Johnny Boychuk makes three point three million. Just saying. I mean, if you're in a win now kind of team like the Bruins, I I feel are. I would have kept my number two D man and not some average third, fourth liner. They fell in love yeah, with average no, and they paid for it. Yeah, but they're not the only ones that have. No, but <laughs> that's, that's the thing. You're going to see the good teams or the, the teams that want to make runs towards Stanley Cup. The biggest thing they can do to derail those plans is fall in love with average and pay it. As opposed to just finding equal value for less. There's no yeah. way Chris Kelly gives them three million worth, in my opinion. But well, he's there and Boychuk's gone. So it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, it got it got to be a mess pretty quick. And do I think they're in danger of not making the playoffs? No, I don't I don't think that. But I don't think they're a major roadblock anymore in the East like they were last year and before. I think um, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Islanders, even they're all right there. I don't. I don't think the Bruins are, are the class of the East anymore. Even if they get charred. No, I, yeah, you won't hear me. You won't hear me argue that i think you're i think you're right there well they're paying unfortunately they're paying tuka good money and without char and boychuk um he's he's going to be called upon he's going to have to earn that money right now they'll they'll play okay in front of them they'll still be they're still a good team but if if they want to be a first place team in that division he's he's going to have to be the guy so we'll see. My fantasy team will see as well. <laughs> You're riding on the Tuga train? Yeah, in my 18-team hockey prospectus league, I, I took Tuka in the first round. Whoopsie. I regret that. That's all right. You do now. You don't think, okay. Fair enough. Fantasy hockey is just blur for me. That was pre-boy Chuck and Chara. Okay, that hurts. No wonder you're not a fan of Sheer Alley. <laughs> nah, I don't care about fantasy hockey that much, but that was funny. Go Tuca. Yeah, exactly right. Team Tuca, here we come. 
But that, that whole salary cap thing, it, it's a big issue. I mean, it, it makes things makes things hard on, on, on teams when you, when you lose a player. I mean, most of the teams, the Islanders had cap space. They've managed to fill some holes. They have tons then, of it. <laughs> yeah, and then Grabo goes out, and they've still got space to go and fill it if Grabo's out for a while. You know what I mean? So there's heaps of opportunities for teams with cap space to – level the playing field. Then there are teams that have made bad decisions that are tough to tied up against the cap and have decisions to make in regards to weeding out those bad decisions. It's, I, I find it very interesting. Islanders still have $5.5 million in cap space. Even after all that. Pretty good. Is a, they, I, this is early and with the way they've been playing, but if they can stay healthy... Um, they could do something very good at the deadline and, and really make a push. So they'll be in, they'll be an interesting team to team to watch. They're a really good team. I like what they've done. You I, were big, I, I bashed Snow yeah, in the past, but I'll give them his credit where it's due. Um, yeah. Put it this way: John Tavares is making five and a half mil until twenty eighteen. That's awesome. Yeah, they're set. I know. That is pretty awesome. I hope they don't expect that. I hope they don't expect that kind of rate on his next contract. Grabowski's making five mil until twenty eighteen, which is fine. That's where it puts it into. That's you know they overpaid a bit because they could, but yes, when you're saving that much on Tavares, you can go out and and do those other kind of things. As long as you spend it on the right, the five and a half mil on the right overspend. And I think they will. I think they'll re-sign Boychuk. They're going to move to Brooklyn. They're going to be in New York City. It'll be an attractive place to play. Um, if they pony up for Boychuk and Letty, they they have the room to do that. Yeah. I think they'll make them both $5 million players. Might be a slight overpayment, but they're getting guys that are capable. They're not... It's, it's not paying Andrew McDonald $5 mil. Put it that way. They're not replacing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's no, a bad contract. Shouldn't be slapping down we shouldn't be slapping down their flyers roster at the moment. It still sucks. I know. They're not going it's anywhere. It doesn't it does not matter whether Pittsburgh are at the top or the Flyers are at the bottom or vice versa. Those two teams get together, anything happens. And at console, usually anything happens is that the penguins lose. Yeah. It's true. It's a weird thing, but for whatever reason, it's been a thing. It is. Um, yeah. Speaking of New York, the Rangers. I know they lost Dan Boyle, and I know they're without Patrick Stepan. But I think Anton Strawman's the biggest problem that they've had since the start of the season. I think not having him around has created a bit of a hole that even when they get boiled back, they're still going to have issues. And if Lundqvist, as we saw last week, if Lundqvist has a couple of bad games, it gets ugly real quick. So I'm not sure where, I'm not sure where I look at New York now, Rangers, and, and where they sit. I look at New York, hearing the things I do, um, 
about the Mark Stahl contract stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just shake my head. Like, how could you let Strawman go for shorter term and less money? And you're going to pay Mark Stahl because of his last name that kind of money. Well, that's the thing. Like, I listen to Hockey Central on their podcast, right? One, because I refuse to get up at stupid o'clock to, to listen to it live. But it's good to go running to. Now, for some unknown reason, McLean on that show has an absolute man crush on Mark Stahl. I don't There's know a what it is about on radio. No, no. I knew you were going to say that. Um, but it, it started last year, obviously, with the run through of the cup. And then when Strawman left and stuff like that, he wasn't getting there saying, oh, how's, how's Stahl going to go without Strawman? It was the other way around. And it's like, as this as this season started up again, and, and you can tell the producers are trying to get advanced stats into the topic and stuff like that, but Kiprios and McLean do anything they can to joke them off, to treat them like they're just a little kid that's got nothing to do. It's going to bite them in the ass. It's going to bite teams in the ass if there are people like McLean who are running clubs, and there still are. There's still a stack of them like that. Yeah, the clubs might have hired them, but if they're not going to listen or at least try to understand the information they're being given, they can throw their money away on the stats people and they can watch their team go backwards because they're not following their advice. It's pretty simple. Because I think, like you just said, with that contract, with Stahl, it should have gone the other way. They should have gone with Strollman. Well, the Rangers are going to throw the money at Girardi and uh, Stahl. And let Strawman go, and pretty confident, and that they got that completely wrong. <laughs> Strawman should have been the guy. Well, to they could Yeah, and they should have let the other stall go to Carolina, and he can go and fall apart down there with the other two boys. Yeah, that seems a mess. Actually, okay. Now, who's who's your pick at the moment for coming last? To come in last place? Yeah. But I say Carolina are right up there. Yeah, that's it's actually gonna be a pretty pretty fun race. Buffalo and Carolina are my <laughs> two horses there. Um That just sounds so wrong. Buffalo's going for last. God bless them. They're they're doing it. Um They've done it through more or less roster construction, being negligent and picking up players and that kind of stuff. Carolina may get there yeah. based on injury, though. Losing Jordan Stall is murderous. Because if they get those injured players back, all of a sudden they've got a one-two-three-line center combination. And you've got to be good down the middle. We all know that. I mean, you can actually get there, and if – if you think about it, if McDavid is what he's supposed to be, then you could have him as your first-line center, you could have Eric as your second, and you could have Jordan as your third. And in reality, that's probably not a bad way to run it. Well, it's not a race for McDavid. I know it's a race for the top two. I do get it's that. A, it's a race for Eichel. It's a race to guarantee one of the two. Because 20%, that's not great odds if you finish in last. Yeah. No, it's not. 
One and five's not good. But Eichel guaranteed is great. You're guaranteed a number one pick that could be argued as better than any of the players taken last year. It's not a bad it's, it's not a bad year, I suppose, to have I didn't last year it didn't feel like that there was going to be a team that was going to be this bad as Carolina and Buffalo are. I don't remember thinking that at the start of last year that Well Buffalo's trying to, to do this. Be... They are. They can say what no, they No, no, I know. They're only trying to do it because there's someone worth doing it for. Yeah. There wasn't that consensus number one franchise changing player. You know, as good as Darren Eckblad may turn out to be and is proving to be quite competent at what he's what he does on the ice right now. Um there's no yeah, th- he's not that generation player. Yeah, and yeah. So it's it just creates for an interesting end because there are gonna be teams that are out come February and they'll be close enough to the bottom to try and tank for the one in five opportunity, I suppose. It'll be interesting to see what the clubs do. Those two teams aren't going to be fun to watch this year, though. Nope. Nope. If you're a season's ticket holder, you're going, I'll put my investment in for this year for the next 15. I'm in the Sabres market. I do not watch them. There's nothing to be had there. You can't? You just can't watch the 12 shots against? No, I just I, I don't yeah. see the point. They're actively trying. Well, put it this way. The players aren't obviously. They're they're trying hard. That's understandable. The GM is a is is very clever. He set them up for proper failure in a great draft year. Uh, the guy I do feel a little bit bad for is Ted Nolan because he was hired to be the coach of this awful team because he's not a very good coach. But no one has let him in on that joke. Like he. <laughs> Like he thinks he's he's a good coach. He's he's not in on it, but he was hired so that they could lose, and he's doing a great job at it. And I, yeah, I don't know what else to add to that. He's he's okay, he's so- not going to be the coach after this year. What it's either they're going to get Eichel McDavid or they're not, but. He's the guy they hired to tank. <laughs> so once tank year's so, over, he's out. And I don't think he's in on that. I don't think he understands that. But it is what it is. Yep. That's my opinion so on it. Want to believe it. It's a little harsh. So, but... look, we're not, we haven't got any team that's got to 10 games yet. Early in the season, you already sort of start to hear rumblings about coaches and stuff like that. What the hell's going on with the Oilers? Um, I think it's tricky. I don't think they're a good team yet. They're certainly not as bad as they've started. Their their possession numbers are up this year, which it's what they do in their own zone that's so worrying. They there's been so many egregious. They're up to 48%, though. They were in, like, 
44%-ish last year. Um, the problem that they were having early in this year was their goaltending was sub-900. And it has improved since, so I agree with that. So um, it's it's been a... They have a track record of recent memory of being really bad. So when they started the year with bad goaltending, everybody's like, here we go again. But the possession <laughs> numbers are up. So they are playing better. And now that the goaltending's kind of regressing back up towards the median, um, I don't you think... You see improved results. Yeah, I don't think they're... I don't think they're a playoff team, but I, they're certainly not dumpster divers anymore. I don't think. That's all right, man. They may make a panic move because I don't. That's what they did. I don't. I don't think they do a very good job over there. I know they hired Tyler Dello, but if you don't listen to him, what the hell's? You know what? I think they may have hired him just to get his blog off the internet that was bashing them all the time. You're not the first person that I've heard say that either, so... Hey, come on board. Take your... Oh, by the way, take take your website down that talks shit about us all the time. And then we'll just put you in a dungeon to lock you up. Yeah, you can make analytical hires, and he's one of the best. But if you're not going to heed his advice, what the hell? Just means no one else can. But, but they're an interesting team, because you hear all about... Yakupov trades, Aberly. Oh, yeah. Aberly would be the guy to trade, though. He has the highest perceived value, and I don't think that perceived value actually matches up with his actual value. I think he's okay player, good player. He's nowhere near what the uh, perception is, though. I don't think. Um, I'd move him. I, I would shore up the roster by moving him. Bringing what for him though? Uh, uh, D help. Try and so find they need something up the middle as well. Yes, or center. That's fine. Um, Drizadel's yeah. probably a little bit too young. Thing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I don't think he's a number one center. I think he's a he'll eventually be a very good number two. Um. So we'll see. But he'd he'd be the it's guy. Tough. Yakupov, they talk about just doing a poor job developing a guy. You took him number one overall. You're gonna give him the harsh treatment, you're gonna give him ten minutes a night, you're gonna treat him the way you do. Why'd you take him number one overall? If you're just not because gonna play him He was the consensus pick, wasn't he? Yeah. Take them, play them. You're not a good team. They, just they, play them. If they didn't want to take him, they should have traded down. Let someone else go with it, and they could take another position. It's just, yeah. No, they're but taking I, that old school, awful approach to a young, non-North American player. We're going to give him a heart. He's going to earn this. I don't know. He earned being the number one overall pick. <laughs> I mean, who treats a number one overall pick the way they've treated Nail Yakupov? Yeah. Can you think of another number one <laughs> overall pick that's been treated like that? 
Patrick Stefan. Well, that's like um, 15 years no, ago. No, I can't. No, I know. I, the, in, the, in what I'd call the, the new NHL, no. Usually everyone tries to put their their first-round draft picks in situations to succeed, particularly anyone in the top 10. Um, there's a reason they got drafted that high. It's because the the ceiling is so high. So you try to do whatever you can to make sure they reach it. So, yeah, I'd, it's it seemed a little bit baffling. It almost feels like, you know, the management went a little bit old school. When I was a young, cocky Russian kid, let's whack him so he knows he's in North America and he has to do it our way and feels like it hasn't worked. But... I could be oversimplifying it a little bit there. I'd got that organization at the top. How do you do that, though? They've got too many people there that are historical alumni that are running the show now. Oh, you mean that road Gretzky and Messier's coattails? Yeah, those guys. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. It's you can get same old, same old, or you can bring in fresh blood. Um, right, speaking of other teams and coaches that could find themselves in trouble, Colorado is going over with the Avalanche. They're doing exactly what some people, cough, cough, have predicted that they would do this year. <laughs> You didn't happen to write anything in any publication or anything about that, did you? Yeah, I may have written an essay with Rob Volman in the Hockey Prospectus book about Colorado. And, um, yeah, they they were riding a high, high amount of luck last year. And, you know, it's coming crashing down. They have some awesome players. They really do. But their defense stinks, and if Arlamov has regression they're screwed and so far that's so far that's been the case they're one four and two to this point and here's here's the best part you hear people talking about um colorado that don't buy into the stats the 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 metrics and all that stuff they're 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 calling out leadership problems (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Like, they're gonna find something to explain why. No, you, they they find something that doesn't have objective backing. They just create stories to explain what's going on. When the data just shows they don't have puck moving D men, their shooting percentage and their save percentage was out of this world last year, and it was always going to come so down. How- how much time do you give the Shermanator to get that roster right? Because like you said, they have got some really fun pieces in place on that roster and you don't want to go go wasting them away. So how long do you give Sherman time to put it together and improve that back end, which is you know pretty dodgy, I suppose. So how do you go about improving some of those pieces and moving forward? Well, here's the problem. Well, not the problem. The Shermanator, as you call him, has as much power as the Queen of England has in fixing Britain's problems. He's oh. a figurehead. Sackick and War calling the shots. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> um, so the poor Shermanator here that you're bashing, <laughs> I don't think he's 
actually making these decisions. At least that's my take from the outside. Uh, here's the problem with the Avalanche. They had a few different options they could have done to get some defense help, and they screwed it up royally. They traded P.A. Parentau, who's a very good player, for Danny Breer. You lose a trade chip to degrade your team. A good trade chip, and you degraded your team. So what? on what level does Patrick Wah think that the value that this is, I get there with these trades and you sort of go, the asset that comes to a particular team, what value does that player have to that team that they can think is going to improve what they are? That's the bit that sort of baffles me a little bit. I don't see what Briere brings. I, I, I don't see the Clutch, value that baby. he has. Yeah, okay. No, no, there you go. You've given me a reason. I don't agree with it. I don't believe in it. I'm just saying. I just I, I sort of sit there and look at it and you go... You're right. They should have got return for their back end to, to help out a, a known weakness, in a sense. Their back end's terrible. I, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't overpay Matt Niskanen. I don't think Niski wanted to go there, though. Oh, I don't. I, I don't I think know. they call. I'm just saying. Although I'll say this, there there is an interesting trade chip out there that I think um, could change a few franchises. Uh, Andre Sakara. Yeah. I think uh, if a team like San Jose or Detroit got him, vastly. I don't want Detroit teams. anywhere near him. Yeah, I don't want Detroit anywhere near him. That wrecks up my whole prediction. They don't make the playoffs. Oh, so they'll, think they'll make the, the playoffs if he's on the team. That there's no doubt about that. They may make. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Well, they are only. They're like a lot of teams, I suppose. They're only one key injury away from not making the playoffs, and that's sort of been the thing with Detroit the last few years is that they've had quite a few key injuries over different portions of the season and still made the playoffs. So, um, I did predict that they wouldn't make it, um, but yeah, they get someone likes to care, and I might as well just be taken to the woodshed on that one. They'll make it. Yeah. So I don't want him anywhere near Detroit. <laughs> Sakara can be a game changer. He's 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 one of the more fascinating trade pieces out there. For me. Is he is he is, is he not coming UFA? Um I Blake can left on his contract because click on that right now. Because he if Carolina is, are, is he is. Right, Carolina could still legitimately ask for a first round draft pick. Yes, definitely. And you get there and go, from what I can remember from conversations that we've had and we've spoken to other people, this draft is supposed to be a pretty deep draft as well. So they could have two first-round draft picks in the first round of this upcoming draft and all of a sudden Michael, that Carolina is healthy in there. That, that, yeah, that's, that's all I'm saying. So it's one of those things where if they jettison the right assets for the right type of either young prospect players that are about to jump in the lineup or for a first-round draft pick, because there'll be a couple of guys that will go on that roster, they should try and trade off Cam Ward. That won't happen because, well, maybe maybe Winnipeg would be stupid enough to pick up Cam Ward. Um, that's sort of the – like Carolina could go from being a nothing to something very, very quickly. Yeah, much like Buffalo. 
Yeah. And that's the salary cap era in a nutshell. I like it, personally. It, it helps if management treats their draft picks with respect. And I don't mean in regards to the Yakupov stuff. I mean actually treating the round of the draft that they're trading, they're picking in with respect and making sure that they do get the right person. Because once you get past that first, the first two rounds, you need your draft pick to stick. Third round and beyond, it's a crapshoot. Anything can happen. And you look at where some of the Hall of Fame players have come from in the fifth and sixth and seventh rounds and stuff like that. You're picking a player on a hunch. You're not picking and going, he's going to be the best player going around this, you know, in five years' time. The first two, the first two rounds, though, you've got a pretty good idea that you, your pick should at least make the roster and at least play three or four years. They're the those first two rounds are the ones that if you get them right, you win a Stanley Cup with them. If you get them wrong, you get stuck middling like Pittsburgh have been. Yeah. Can't disagree. Do you want to talk yeah, about I mean, that? Pittsburgh's first. Um, yeah, I do have a couple of ranty, ranty things to talk about. So you go first. <laughs> it's early in the year. A lot of overreactions. They've, they drop, you know, they they did screw up against Dallas and Detroit. They they threw away um, three points out of four. They should have had all four, and they only got one. Um, there should be frustration there, but, you know, I mean, I don't think this is something that needs to be like, oh, here we go again. The the thing that I don't mind about the two losses, the Detroit and the Dallas loss, is that we got beaten by superstar players doing superstar things. Yeah, that's the thing. The thing that was the thing that was annoying about the Philadelphia game was that wasn't the case. No, they got that's their butts kicked. The only, yeah, but you get there and you go, you can cop the Dallas loss because of the players doing what those players do. And there aren't many players that can do that. And they just happen to do it at the end of the game. Fine. Penguins shouldn't have got themselves into that situation, but they were, and they got burnt by superstar quality players. And then Datsuk and Zetterberg do what they do. And you give them opportunities to do it like the Penguins did. And you get torched by them. So, you know, I can deal with that. It's when you, you go into games and yeah, I, that Philly game was funny for me because it was like they they got over-aroused. So they got too excited, came out, used all this energy in the first 10 minutes of the first period, and then they were full of lactate for the rest of the game. They couldn't get going again. You could see them try, and they just couldn't get things moving. So could have been some issues with their preparation going into the game, trying to make sure they were ready. Could have got over-aroused, could have been under-aroused, and their bodies couldn't switch on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going through the year, um, how they work out what they're going to do with the way Johnson wants them to play. Because everything's a bit new for them all. Johnston's style of play is not the problem. I I love the people that jump into conclusions about, uh, it's a style of play, yada, yada, yada. Um... The problem presently is that a style of play takes skill 
takes conditioning. And they only have three lines right now because Zach Sill and Craig Adams aren't capable NHL players. And they play six minutes a night right now. That's you you can't you can't play that style and have guys like that on your fourth line. You, what would be would you want ten minutes a piece out of your fourth lines? I think I think with what he's trying to do, yes. Yeah. I know that doesn't sound like much of an increase, but it's substantial in regards to shift length and rotations through the through the lineup as well. You look at Plus, Stanley Cup winners like Chicago and LA, their fourth line guys can play. Yeah. Zach Sills getting seventy percent offensive zone starts. His sixth game was, you know, last night. He got his first shot on goal. Not a point. What was a shot the, on goal? What was, what was the Craig Adams stat that you guys shot out the, the zero. <laughs> that, no well, was the Craig- it it was more humorous than it was. Um, he had zero percent. He had 0% possession and 100% offensive zone starts. Yeah, okay, that's just... That's just no, silly. but to be fair, I think he only had one offensive zone start and there was only like two or three Corsi events. So it was 0, 4, 3 against. Like very small sample size, but 0%, 100% on that, it, you know, it, it, it's humorous. It's... It's very funny when you say the numbers like that, particularly for those that have been pushing for Mr. Adams to be to be gone for a while. I, I have I have one I have one beef, I suppose, in regards to typical Pittsburgh kicking boys, and that's Rob Scuderi. There was a stage there where against Detroit, where um, Despray is the only guy on that when those two are out there that's allowed to carry the puck. You can tell that. It's been designated that way. So Detroit actually worked it out really quick and kept forcing Scuderi to either pass it across to the spray or bank it around the boards or then do the whole rim around the boards to the spray. And they would just dump on him. They're not dumb. (laughs) These teams do so much video work. They're not dumb. They know what the weaknesses are. You sit there and you you watch this poor kid who knows he's, NHL career at Pittsburgh is probably on the line in the first 40 games of the year, right? So he doesn't want to look the fool and he's trying to impress and show, no, I have a skill set here that can help improve this team, but he's getting no opportunity to do it. He made that egregious error rushing the puck up the ice against um, against Philly, but it didn't help that Scuderi is not in a position to help bail him out of that situation. No one came across. Oh, you mean the safety blanket's not bailing anybody out? Correct, because he doesn't have the foot speed to do it. It's it's, it's one of those things where they've brought Harrington up and down, up and down over the last two weeks. Bring him up, put the two kids together and play him. Sit Scuderi. You know what you've got with Scuderi. And you know what? His injury history, you might as well sit him anyway because that way he can't get broken because if you're going to have to need him because you're not going to get rid of him later on, you at least want him healthy. Can I play Actually, devil's advocate? You know what? Yeah, go for it. ton of NHL defenseman injuries right now, right? Yeah. Just, just saying. 
maybe play him and hope he plays well and see see if somebody bites. Yeah, yeah. That's I suppose it's the other option you've got, isn't it? It's the only option. I just, yeah, I, if you want to get out from under it. And the, the funny thing is, I don't think there's anyone in Pittsburgh, in the Pittsburgh fandom at the moment, that could care less what we got back for him. Just get him off the books is pretty much what everyone's saying, and then replace him with the youth that apparently we've been grooming for all this time, and we've got apparently a stud D down there that just has to get his legs under him, and he'll be up in the NHL anyway. So we, we've got the depth there. Create the space. I, I reckon create the space before there's a, a backlog and teams think you're forced to get rid of someone. You want to be the team that's in control, not dictated to. Yeah, obviously. Um, boy, that Thomas Grace, though. Pretty pretty okay showing, even though he gave up for going it was, to sh- It was nice to... It was nice to watch. It was calm. It was very something I'm not used to seeing in net in Pittsburgh. It was calm, econ- you know, economical in his movements. It was um, it was nice to watch. It's just a shame that he got he got torched by his own team, basically. Yeah, he was he was two and a half minutes away from a pretty sweet one goal against Outing, um, but that just goes to show. You know, if the goals are going to go in anyways, which I do believe that the goals he gave up later in the, they were great plays. Why pay a premium for yeah, goals that are going to go blowing by you anyways? Yeah. I'll pay one million to and get that not- game out of him rather than five for the same game out of Flurry. And that's the argument that people miss with you when you go over this sort of stuff. It's it's the output that Fleury provides for the five mil, that the output that Greece is going to provide for the one mil. That four mil gap could be put elsewhere into the roster, and Pittsburgh can go and score the extra goal that Greece will apparently give up. And is it Greece or Grice? Grice. Grice. Jesus, that's terrible. Um, yeah, the four million could be put elsewhere into the roster, and and. That way, if you go, well, he's going to give up an extra half a goal a game, you go, all right, that's fine. We'll put the money into scoring an extra goal a game. And in the end, you're up. Look, Fleur is my favourite player. I don't want to see him in a different in a different uniform, but he has to go. He can't, he can't be the starting goaltender for this Penguin squad game one of the playoffs um, if they think they're going to win. It's, it's unfortunate, but it, it's almost got toxic now, I think in regards to the team's confidence level in him actually being able to deliver what they need. They all love the guy. No one ever picks on on the guy himself. It's just what he's producing for this, this hockey club. It's it's not good enough for a team that's in a win-now window. You can't get sentimental now. They've got a hard decision to make there, and and hopefully hopefully they they move on. Well, the GM has said that he's their guy. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean anything. Because if he's the guy, he'd have a contract in his pocket right now. Have they even actually, they haven't even been talking contracts, have they, though? Um, well, I, I'm not behind closed doors, but um, let's be honest. Flurry, I do believe, wants to, to stay. 
And if the penguins, Rutherford wants him to stay, I'm, I'm sure they would come together pretty quickly. The reality is he's without a contract right now. So um, money talks and the rest walks, <laughs> as they say. Politely put. So. Um, I can't I can't see them. I, I, I can't see him actually being on the Penguins roster post-deadline day. I think he'll be. Oh, you think they'll trade him? I, th- I think they'll trade him. I think in the end he'll be the piece that moves that gets Pittsburgh back the forward help that they want because it'll be it's five million that goes off the books. Who though? So oh, maybe not within the flurry trade itself, but just the flexibility. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what return flurry will actually offer back. They might just go for um, a, a young forward prospect, but then on the same day they'll have made a move elsewhere to have filled a hole. I don't know who's I mean, lo- who's looking it, it, for him though. Jets. Well, here's the problem with the Jets. I'm, just I, I'm not saying they're they're not silly enough to consider a flurry goaltender. They're not in the playoff hunt. Why would they trade for an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, I suppose I hadn't thought that far ahead. I just I still can't see him being on the roster. Come trade deadline. Well, I just can't. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to argue against that. I think that would be very useful. Yeah. Um, Grace is no worse than him. The stats bear that out. People are so worried about an unknown goalie doing worse than what? Flurry tanking every year in the playoffs except for two? Yeah, I know. His cup so winning it's, year it's was below those... average. <laughs> I mean, are we worried yeah. that the, the the current guy will play below average? Because that's, that's that's probably the, the whole problem. If if Fleury's on the roster after the trade deadline, he's going to start. Then that that yeah, well, there's that. But and, and that's the thing: the four million dollar gap you'd have if you if you got rid of Fleury and you played Grice, then it's got it's wasted. For for me, basically, the reason of bringing Grice in is to see whether he could or couldn't be a number one goalie. If you get there and go, he can be, but you can't ship Flurry. What are you going to do? You're going to sit four million dollars of cap space on the bench while you ride Grice the rest of the way. I'm happy for them to do it, but you go, you really needed to move that four million dollars for something else on the roster because everyone knows this roster is far from complete. So that four million dollars becomes extremely valuable. That's all. And that's where you sort of sit there with it and go, if, if Grice gets there and gets enough starts and proves that he deserves to be the starter and they don't let the media in Pittsburgh push them around to, because all the media love Fleury. Um, I don't like let him. the media push them around. I do too. I do too. But you can't let the media force the team management to just keep playing a guy because of that. Well, if, you're, if, you're, like if you're a front office listening to media, you're you're a cl- you got clown shoes on. Well, that's what it felt like when they had Bokun. You know what? If if you're listening to the media, Malkin will be traded uh, from some of the the horseshit I hear on the radio in Pittsburgh lately. So yeah, right. look, stop making me sound like an idiot. Well, no, I, <laughs> you you don't sound. You are you the one? Suggesting they trade Malkin? 
No. Then you're not the idiot, so. But I also don't like wrestling. I'm not going there. <laughs> All right, so have you got anything else to say about the Penguins? Um, just one last thing. My boy Polly M, not not having the greatest start to the year. Um, but it's only a six-game sample size. Um, Paul Martin is a tough thing for me because I'm I really enjoy watching him play hockey um, for the team that I cover on a daily basis. But I think the writing's on the wall that he's kind of either Penguins ride out the contract this year and he leaves or they trade him. But I think he's gone either way. He, he wasn't even on the second power play unit the other night. Paul, Paul this, Martin, he's good. He's not even on the second power play unit. You've, you've had this feeling about him since Erhoff got signed, right? That Martin was on the way out. Now, oh, I suggested started, that they just... sign. I suggested no, 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 that no. they but... sign Erhoff before they did sign Erhoff and trade Paul Martin because Erhoff's younger. Yep. They're similar players. Um, You know. And you can flip it, Martin, for what I would think is an okay return, depending if you find the situation. Personally, I think one of those situations is targeting the Kings. If the Voinov thing goes south, as I wrote about, I think I think you would target the Kings, and I think you would ask for Justin Williams and see what happens. The Kings have young forwards, Tyler Toffoli, Pearson, that can step up and fill the Justin Williams void. Um, if Voinov's out, and I don't want to get into the whole details of that, we'll skip that, that kind of stuff because I don't know how that's going to play out. But if it's a long-term thing, what what better way to replace that than than Paul Martin? And and who knows? You know, you get him into L.A., maybe he likes it. Maybe he signs there long term. You don't hear many people say they don't like it over there at the moment. It's one of the reasons why people say Joe Thornton won't leave San Jose. Out there in the West, it sounds like it's an alright. And place that's to Northern play California. That's not even the SoCal weather. So yeah, um, I think there's a fit there potentially. I do, and I think Justin Williams would be a great fit in Pittsburgh and I think Paul Martin would be an awesome fit in LA. We'll see. That I think that that I think that's fair value on both sides cuz the sting of Paul Martin leaving the Penguins would equal the sting of uh Justin Williams leaving the Kings. And I know he's the reigning Conn Smythe winner, but you know, I I I think that was he was on a real hot streak during the playoffs. Um, but he's, they're both that the same tier of player for each of their positions, at least from where I stand. So we'll see if something like that happens. The only concern I'd have for both teams would be, um, just the age of both players in regards to what, what they do. And the obvious both rentals though. 
No, no, correct. And they could both just walk. So if it just doesn't work for that that playoff run, they they can be let go without any any cost, and it would technically fill a hole for for both sides, I suppose, if if you look at it that way. But that's that's stargazing because I haven't I haven't liked the the Paul Martin and Christian Erhoff pairing. Both have looked tentative, like they're not quite sure what they're wanting to do. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that pairing holds up for the the next next five or six games you get 15 games in i think and, and i'll trust what i see a bit more often and then have that either debunked or confirmed by your numbers dude it's well no, how you're, it works for you're, me now. you're not you're not wrong i i see the same thing but as it's small sample size you know we gotta let this yeah, thing kind I mean. of grow and and hmm. see what happens they're both they're both really good players i don't think there's any doubt about that and um, you know we're six games in. I, if it was game eighty and they were playing like this, I'd be shocked. Absolutely shocked. Yeah, I, they're I both, agree. With they're that. both great, in my opinion. So, do you when the games that the Penguins have lost? The thing that I found interesting, I suppose, would be the way to put it, would be. All three games they've lost, all the same old bad habits that they've had from the last three years have all crept back in. So question to you as someone that's a coach, are these habits that have been so entrenched into them over the course of Bilesman's time in Pittsburgh that when the team gets into certain game time situations, they default back to old habits? And it's just going to take time for the new template to be rubbed in over the top for them to work into that. Or is it just the way this team plays and they're going to implode at certain situations that they shouldn't? Because they shouldn't have lost either of those three games. Was Dupuis shooting at an open net when he shouldn't have getting blocked? Old, Really old habits, though? Or was it an isolated poor choice? The the problem I have with that incident isn't so much the Dupuy shot, it's the way the three of them went into the zone and piss farted around with it when it was in there. That's probably the lackadaisical nature of that. I, well, that. Lots of grey in that. But, I, I don't disagree with you at all on that. I think Como should have wound up for a slap shot on his initial entry and just said, hey, you want to stop it? Pay the price. Um, like, but yeah, they did right gain here. control. Malkin did get it up to Dupuy. And Dupuy had the choice there to cycle it back down to Malkin, who's one of the best players in the world. But he chose to try and go through f- multiple Detroit Red Wings on a flub attempt. Um, is that old habits, really? Did, is Bilesma or Johnston telling Dupuy to, to do that? No. It, it's just an isolated, poor choice. It's not a selfish choice by Dupuis. He was trying to end the game. He was trying to end the game on one shot. That um, goes in and all of what happens in the next two and a bit minutes doesn't happen. I, get, I understand that aspect of it. But I don't I don't know. Old old habits, I mean... It's more... For, for me, it was like... Um, the Dallas game was... Well, Sid, you can't trip the guy off the draw. I mean, you can't do that. 
Is that something Sid does a lot of the times? No. So is that old habit? It does. It does when he gets frustrated, though. But he wasn't frustrated that's there. Old. That that's a face-off play. He there there was no tension or animosity built up with whoever he tripped on that. That that's that's not. That was a u- unnecessary trip. That's that's not classic. Oh, the Penguins are. Emotions are right high. That it was a lazy penalty that the captain never usually does. He did that night and it cost them. Is that old habits returning? I I don't buy that. I think Yeah, like you said, sample sizes. He shouldn't have done that. I mean it's a bad play. He tripped the guy off the draw, it led to the power play, they scored in regulation. By the way, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan made something happen there. You you give great players an opportunity, they'll do great things. Like you said oh, at then, the beginning. Yeah. Um, Detroit game is a brilliant example of that. That yeah, was a but, really fun last But that's my point right now, though. Is is Crosby tripping that guy old habits? Is Dupuis shooting it towards that net old habits? I say no. I say they're isolated, is very the, poor choices. So is the Penguins' inability to get through the Flyers' trap old habits, or is it tantamount to the fact that, you, like you said earlier, they don't have a fourth line, so therefore they can't garner enough speed? Because it got to about... They, they had tired. a 20-minute stretch where they had no they shots. Tired. Yeah. Yep. Are Craig Adams and Zach still going to break a trap? The answer is no. So the coach keeps them on the bench. Guess who has to, you know, guess who gets the brunt of that? Everybody else. Well, like, like you and I have said, we don't think this roster is going to be as it is constructed now when we get past deadline day. So it'll be interesting to see what team they they think they're going into the playoffs with. I think there'll be, I think there'll be quite a few teams that will look different after deadline day, to be honest. Always are. Always are. Um, is there anything else you want to have a, a chat about? No, that should cover it. I think we're good. All right. Then I guess that'll do it for us this week. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys.